You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Wednesday, November 1st. The 49ers are officially in their bye week after a strong finish to the trade deadline. Joining me to talk about the 49ers through the first eight weeks of the season and what to expect for the second half of the season is two-thirds of your favorite Wednesday morning crew. We're missing Wayne today, uh, but it's still lit. We're still going to have fun. I got John Chapman with me. How's it going, John? Man, I mean, after yesterday, you know, you wake up, the sun is brighter. It's not even up yet. I think it might be up here. Uh, the sun is brighter. The coffee tastes better. And the chat, I'm excited. Love what's going on over there. And it's just wonderful to be with you. We miss Wayne. He's the best of the best. But this is a good time for the 49ers because you come off those three straight losses. Everybody was, ah, this is rough, rough, rough. And you make this exciting new trade. You pump a bunch of hope and excitement into the franchise, into the fan base. And I'm pumped to be here with you, Steph. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped too. Uh, I see a lot of people in the comments are feeling good today, dropping the CCs and the hashtag 49K in the comments. Keep it coming, guys. We really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, the 49ers did lose their third straight in a row against the Bengals Sunday, but... But like I said, like it, it feels like the arrow is pointing up for this team after the 49ers made the trade for Commander's pass rusher Chase Young before the trade deadline, now heading into their bye week. Before we go any further with that, I want to know, John, what are your overall thoughts on this trade? Man, it was awesome. Um, I didn't think Chase Young was going to be a possibility, especially after the Montez Sweat trade. Yeah. And, you know, John Lynch just a while ago, Matt Miyoko tweeted out, he didn't think this deal was getting done whenever he went to bed the night before. He, he thought it was done and, you know, nothing was going to happen. And this is kind of a testament to how John Lynch has handled the trade deadline. Yeah. He's not overpaying for a player. He puts out what they think they're willing to give up. And if they don't take it, then we move on. And we saw that with Jalen Johnson. But you got Chase Young a proven pass rusher that has two elite years. The injury definitely slowed things down for a third round comp pick. Essentially what we spent for Cameron law to this. I, it's just very difficult to find a negative about this trade because you got him like pennies on the dollar. Right. He's young. You get to control what happens. You know, will he be here long-term? That's another question. The 49ers got better this year at their biggest deficit. In my opinion, some people would say corner and I understand that, but I think the defensive end pass rush has been almost non-existent outside of Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa hasn't even been Nick Bosa. Yeah, I agree. And this season so far, Chase Young has 38 pressures. The pressures thing is so weird because I saw like three different sites have like three different pressure numbers. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very subjective stat. But anyway, on PFF, at least he has 38 pressures and six sacks. So he's already the 49er sack leader. He just joined the team, right? And he missed week one. So th there can only be good things to come of that. Career high right now, 17.2% pressure rate this season. And he'll be exactly two years removed from his ACL tear injury later this month. November 14th, 2021 is when he suffered that injury. And a lot of people say, like, after the two years, that's when you 
you really start to feel like yourself again. You regain some of that burst that you had. And, you know, I was watching some of the clips that people have so graciously started to cut up and, and put on the timeline. And, um, you know, I, I see the burst, right. And a lot of the times with the, with Washington, he's, he's rushing out of the two point stance. I don't know if I figure that might change with the 49ers, but still you see that burst, you see that, um, uh, explosiveness off the line. And I think that's definitely going to help this defensive line uh, going forward. I love it. Just and, and just some weeks ago, like we were talking about the Randy Gregory trade, right? And how great the value was for him, given the potential reward and what you could get out of it. And I see this one as a greater value and a greater potential reward, of course, because the caliber of player that Chase Young is. I think it was definitely the type of move that lets the fans feel better about the direction of the team going forward. Now, it isn't going to be the magic pill. Uh, it isn't going to be the silver bullet that like magically fixes everything, right? Steve Volk still has a lot to figure out about what's going on here with this defense. I mean, like you can definitely argue that he has even less wiggle room and excuses here going forward. I was talking with uh, Weston Smith yesterday on the show about this, and he said he thinks this move could make Steve Wilkes seat even hotter <laughs> and, and make his leash shorter because if you fail after this, it's like, hey, like you're not you're not doing so great with the guys that you have. You have a lot of star players. You're not doing great. But look, we're going to give you one more player. But if you can't figure it out after this, like, I don't really know what to tell you. I don't think, like, they can make a positive case for keeping him much longer should this not work out, right? Yeah, it's it's weird because when has a top five defensive coordinator been fired? And if you look at the numbers, that's where the Niners still are. Those first five weeks were incredible. And, yeah, the last three were terrible. No doubt about that. Not going against that. But we haven't seen this front office knee-jerk react and fire people and in the season. We just don't see that. So, obviously, Kyle's voice frustrations, um, you know, in front of the mic, which I don't like. Uh, Nick Bosa has voice frustration in front of the mic, which I don't like. That's, again, these are things that are have not been about who we are, who the 49ers are, since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch showed up. Now, having said all those things, we still got the best record um, over the past four years this time. So I, I don't, I'm not one of those. Yeah, let's fire them and get them out of there. Like you could definitely like change some assignments and responsibilities, but Steve Wilkes brings a lot to the table. Um, have we seen all of that yet? No, we haven't. We're eight weeks in, but you got to remember, like, this is the same DC. This is the same coach that, you know, dominated early on and you can get back there. I, I think the players, you know, for, at, my favorite quote of the week, there were two of them, but one was Fred Warner where he's like, players win games, not coaches. I truly believe that. The coaches can put the players in a wonderful position. The personnel has been rough. Isaiah Oliver has been rough in coverage. Terrible. He's been great in the run game, just not covering well at all. So how are you going to handle that? The Niners released not one but two corners today. So I fully expect we're going to get some reinforcements, which I'm excited about. So I, I don't know about the hot seat. Yeah, it is hot. There's It is. But I don't think that the fan base is always quicker to get rid of people than this organization. And I think that's going to hold true here. Yeah, I, I remember there was a point in time in which this fan base, uh, you know, wanted to fire D'Amico Ryans. Yes. Um, you know, so look. I, yes. 
but even then the defense does look a lot different than it did then. And I'm seeing a lot of comments kind of saying the same thing. Like, let's just go back to basics. Like, let's just have these guys who are all stars, you know, just go back to what they do best. And, you know, I, I certainly agree with that. I don't think it needs to be rocket science or anything. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel or, or make all these, you know, different tweaks here and there. I understand it's been an adjustment, I think, for Steve Wilkes right. to kind of come into the situation and be asked to, you know, not change anything. But then, like, I, I don't know at what point we did start to see those changes. Like, maybe it's when, you know, they weren't getting home with four. But, I mean, something's got to give, right? And something's got to go back to what it was before. I don't really know if we know, like, this, the solution. It's probably not just one thing, right? But yeah. this can't hurt. This can't yeah, hurt. Definitely, it helps. And for the people like, oh, we got to stop blitzing. We blitzed five times in the Bengals game. Five times. We blitzed nine in the Vikings game. It's, it's not like we're the timing of those blitzes. Um, you know, and I, I've been pretty big on this. We have telegraphed our coverage a little bit more than we have in the past. And I think that's a big issue. Um and yeah, you know, Lori, it was awesome hanging out this week. He came out and partied with us a little bit uh, at the tailgate, which was really cool. I'll say this. Yeah, things need to change, but players got to step the hell up. They got to. Yeah. And whenever you're having, you know, Drake Greenlaw's playing through an injury. Hopefully he gets rest. Nick Bosa can't win a one-on-one. We were blitzing four. Yeah. I, I don't know what basics we got to get back to that we didn't do against Cincinnati. Players just didn't show up. And Shanahan even came out. They look tired. They look slow. Um, I'm not sure how much of that's on Wilkes, but we got to have a scapegoat. Seems like he's it. Uh, The public has brought out the pitchforks. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully we rebound nicely like the team we're supposed to be. And I, I, I personally want Wilkes around. I love his personality. I love who he is. And I think he's a hell of a coach. Just haven't seen that fruit the last three weeks. Yeah, I I agree. And I do want to touch on that, actually, because I'm looking at the defensive line now and it looks like a bunch of stars. Right. You you look at this and you think, okay, no excuses for sure. They got two number two overall picks in Chase Young and Nick Bosa. They got a number four overall pick, a number 14 overall pick, a number 17 overall pick on this defensive line. Uh, So. No excuses. Is that five first round picks? Is that Kinlaw, Farrell, Young, Armstead, Bosa? Five first rounders. Yeah. You you got the talent. It's there. Exactly. It's it's there. And so, like, the point that I want to make here, like, you got Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, and now Chase Young as your starters. That now gives you, like, pretty good depth now at this point. And the story of the 49ers defensive line in years past, especially last year, was they have so much depth, and that allowed them to rotate guys, keep them fresh, and they all benefited from that, right? So Nick Bosa played every single defensive snap against the Bengals on Sunday. First time in his career that he's ever done that. And, like, I get it. Like, a part of it is, like, well, we're not generating enough pressure to even – uh, make the case for him to not be out there, right? Like he he needs to be out there because we're not getting anything without him. Uh, he's he's our best chance. But yeah, I mean, when when you hear Kyle Shanahan then say like you know guys look tired, uh, and you know maybe guys are burnt out at this point in the season. It's week eight, like that's yeah. that's concerning, right? So now the one thing that I'm feeling like not a lot of people are bringing up about this 
Chase Young move is that it potentially allows you to go back to a more balanced rotation because it has worked for them in the past. Again, I'm not saying this is going to be the silver bullet that's going to fix all of their problems, right. but that could be one of the things that helps keep them fresh and helps keep them you know, uh, looking good out there, especially like the depth guys we've had. Uh, so now Clinton Farrell becomes, you know, a depth guy who can go in and, and be rotational. Greg, Randy Gregory too, uh, Kinlaw, you know, so they're on spot duty now. And I, we've been talking about how Kinlaw has looked, you know, much improved on spot duty this year. So that's just an example of how, you know, those guys could benefit. And of course, Bosa, Young, Armstead, Hargrave, those guys could also benefit from taking a few snaps off here and there. Yeah, and I think you're putting players back where they should be. You know, it wasn't Javon Kidlaw's fault that he got drafted where he did. It That's not his fault. It's not Cleveland Farrell's fault that he got drafted where he did. But now, you know, they've had to elevate at times with the Niners to play above their pay grade. To Like, that's just not who they are. Cleveland Farrell's a decent player, and he belongs in the NFL. It's just, hey, you're not a starter. You don't need 40 snaps a game like which we saw against the Vikings. That's ridiculous. Now you put them where they could be effective. And so Randy Gregory, yeah, a rotational guy. Kinlaw, rotational guy. Givens, Cleveland Farrell, rotational guys mm-hmm. that can play to their strengths, go out there, all-out effort for three to four plays, you know, a series, whatever, then you get your aces back in. And so this just makes everybody better. And, yeah, yeah, I see Drake Jackson on there. That's the one where I'm just like, man, I'm not going to be shocked if he's a healthy scratch here very, very soon. We saw it last year, you know, all the way down this stretch. And I'm not saying that he's done for the year. I think this bye week is good for him. He's got to figure some stuff out. Because his balance, which is crazy, is is it's abysmal, and he's just not having any positive impact whatsoever on the game. He's on the ground more often than he's not. I, I don't want to give up on the kid yet. Uh, Debster, is he a bust? I don't want to go there yet, but he definitely has not lived up to the second-round pick status. But you can say this about a lot of people. Not his fault. He was drafted there, and we have not developed him to improve on his biggest weaknesses. Because with where he is right now, that dude needs to go to a 3-4 outside team and stand up because that's probably where he's going to end up if he doesn't change something. Yeah. And I mean, also no excuses for Drake Jackson because he has so much talent around him and like, I'm sure he could pick up some things, some techniques from them, uh, but we're just not seeing it translate onto the field for him. The good news is, and like, I felt like I was seeing him a lot on the field on Sunday. Uh, The good news is, We'll we'll be seeing much less of him going forward, right? So I don't know if he's a bust. Like I, I hate to say that about any player, much less when they've only been in the league like for as long as he has. He, yeah. you know, he had he's only had one full season and and eight games, right? So given that, I think it's too early to really say what Drake Agreed. Jackson is, what he's going to be, but it doesn't look good, right? So in the meantime, we can rest assured, like he's not going to be out there. Uh, and so that definitely also improves the defensive line just from that standpoint as well. I do want to get to the super chat really quickly from Gammon Brown. Shout out Gammon. Um, on the subject of accountability, what were your score predictions oh. for 49ers Bengals? Also, will Feliciano play? I think he's underrated. Uh, so going back to my prediction, in this, I was able to give the prediction with the assumption that 
Brock Purdy would play. He ended up playing. So my prediction was, I'm trying to find it here as I'm like scrolling. Um, 24-22 was my prediction. I predicted a close game. And, you know, I thought the 49ers would come away with it. Um, wh- what about you, John? Yeah, I, I had it close. Uh, not as close as you did. But, yeah, I had the Niners win in a one-score game. Um, the offense, it just disappeared. And the defense definitely didn't do his job down the stretch. And, you know, I, I'm going to constantly keep going back to this. Everybody talk about the defense, and rightfully so. Why are we not talking about the offense only scored 17 points a week? Yeah. Three, three weeks in a row. Three, I, I just don't weeks. understand why nobody cares about that. Um I don't know. It, it's a concern, and I get it. We all kind of pick our battles, and I guess I've picked mine as well. But it, I, my, you know, whenever I was a coach, praise goes up, blame. I, I'm sorry, yeah, praise goes down, blame goes up. That's just the way it goes. And so when bad things happen, you go to the top. And I, I don't know why we're stopping at the DC and not going yeah. to the offensive coordinator. Slash head coach. And I love Kyle. I'm not trying to say he should be fired. I'm not a hot seat, skip Bayless type of guy. That's not who I am, really. But that's where the crit- critique should start. That's where it should be. And I think that's if the offense can just stop being so one dimensional, then I think it fixes the defense. When the defense has to be out there and they can throw the ball 45 times and they're running 70 plays a game, yeah, you're going to be tired, especially when Nick Bosa is not playing. Establish the run. Take some freaking time off the clock. Give your defense a breather. Give them good field position. That fixes so many issues. But whenever you're turning the ball over three times a game and you're not getting first downs, especially late in the game, you're just asking for the defense to let down. I mean, that's that's just – it's complimentary football, and we're playing the opposite of that currently. Exactly, and I've, I've been echoing that same sentiment for the past few days as well because – you know, I, I do feel like when Kyle spoke to the media after the game, he did have some accountability, right? Like, I, I didn't feel like he was ducking the smoke or anything like that or putting all the blame on Steve Wilkes, but the media certainly is. The fans certainly are. Um, and so that's what I'm not really liking because this is it, – it isn't just Steve Wilkes. Like, yes, he's the low-hanging fruit in this situation, but, you know, the offense, no excuses there either. You got a lot of stars. You have Christian McCaffrey, and you're these last few games averaging like three yards a carry with him in the backfield. So that there's no excuses for that. I know Trent Williams and Debo are out. Yes, maybe that's part of the issue, but I needed to see some adjustments, right? I, I would have liked to see some adjustments in, in these last few games. Just haven't Jordan seen Mason. enough. Yeah, I mean, that's one. I know a lot of people – um, I have been talking about Jordan Mason here in the chat. Every single chat, there's like, why isn't Jordan Mason like <laughs> getting opportunities? And it's like, yeah, I I understand. Um, I, I think there's things that we don't know there that there's things when he doesn't have the ball that yeah. he's not doing well. That stuff irks Kyle Shanahan. That's why he's not there. It's as simple as that. So it's frustrating we need to wonder what Jordan Mason's doing wrong that he's not getting on the field. Right. Cause I, I maybe that's the the question we should be asking, but you know, I, I appreciate always uh, people's enthusiasm in the chat. I do want to just very quickly go back to the defense for this one final point, because earlier, you know, we were talking about uh, you, you mentioned Isaiah Oliver and him being a problem in coverage. That is a real problem. And I, I mean, that is kind of a Steve Wilkes problem, too, because that, that was a guy he thought was the, the best nickel corner available in free agency. And 
teams, opposing teams have been perfect throwing in his coverage these last four games. 20 of 20 uh, catches in his coverage last four games. Opposing quarterbacks seeing this on tape. They're loving that matchup all yeah. day. Chase eight in the slot this past week. So um, I would expect that if he continues to be out there, he's going to continue to get targeted, right? And so the 49ers did have a chance, likely had every intention to bring in another corner in at the 11th hour of the trade deadline. Nothing transpired. And so now the 49ers have no choice but to roll with who they have. So <sighs> my question is, like, do Samuel Womack or Daryl Luter like get a chance when they come back from IR? And before you answer, like I let's just set the stage here. Womack was placed on IR with a knee injury September 16th. He was set to be out six to eight weeks. It'll be seven weeks since Womack was placed on IR this Saturday, November 4th. So that'll be seven weeks. Luter, the fifth round rookie corner, was placed on the pup list before training camp even started. Yeah, rookie bone, training camp. <laughs> bone, yeah, uh, yeah, with a bone bruise in his knee. And that one's weird, too, because from the pup list, he could be removed at any time. And back in late July, John Lynch made it seem like, you know, it, it was just going to be a few weeks. Some point later in camp, we never saw him in camp. Um, and so I'm not sure what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if, these next few weeks, 49ers start getting a lot of questions about, hey, like, any updates on uh, Womack, Looter? Because, like, you know, the fans are starting to wonder, too. And so I'm sure uh, the media is going to start asking as well, especially with the struggles of Isaiah Oliver. Yeah, I mean, we were at training camp together, Steph. And you would see Daryl Luter out there doing every drill. No demand. You can't practice with the team, but you can work on the side field. And a lot of times he was the first one on the field. Dude looks fluid. He's doing all the workouts. Like he looked good a while ago. You know, I don't know what the medical whatever is, but we do know Shanahan loves to red shirt players. That's just what he does. Yeah. Whether that's Juwan Jennings, Kalia Davis. Uh, I mean, he just does it over and over and over again. And so I, 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 I don't know. I want him back. He's going to be an outside guy. I Now, the 49ers released two corners today. So I fully expect at least one, if not both. I hope both come back. Um, but both of them are going to be outside guys. And I don't think Womack, Jimmy Ward, and I want to talk about Jimmy Ward a couple times here. Jimmy Ward on the Richard Sherman podcast said, you know, just about a month ago, that the 49ers moved – Samuel Womack out of the nickel spot because they didn't think he was aggressive enough, physical yeah, enough in the I run game. That. And for Isaiah Oliver, with the one thing that he's great at, he is physical as hell in the run game, wraps up, yeah. amazing tackler, but you got to cover. And I understand whenever you talked about 20 of 20 receptions out of the slot, I, I just looked this up and I tweeted this November 27th. So exactly this time last year, Jimmy Ward has allowed 24 of 24 receptions in a row whenever he came back from injury last year in the slot. And so, like, this is not a new issue. It's not a Steve Wilkes issue. This is a D'Amico issue. The 49ers slot corner is one of the toughest responsibilities because we always put them in inside leverage, and the slot fade has torched every single guy we've had. I'm not trying to defend Isaiah Oliver, but everybody's like, man, we should have kept Jimmy Ward. And I love Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward didn't want to play slot. And so, like, I I don't know what the answer is. I know it's not Isaiah Oliver in coverage. That is simple. But I also know the answer wasn't Jimmy Ward in coverage either for the first, you know, few months. And then he transitioned. It got much better. But, again, as soon as he had the chance, he ran away because he wanted to play safety. 
he did not want to play nickel. And, you know, he's playing safety for the Texans, doing a hell of a job as he always has. Um, I want Demo to slide inside. Can one of these other corners, outside corners, do that in just nickel situations only? We did this the first week of the season. And then Isaiah Oliver came in and started making plays. Um, and, you know, you go back to that Rams game. I don't think you win the Rams game without Isaiah Oliver. And he's been terrible since then in coverage for sure. But that dude made some great plays that game. It's been a long time since then. So we'll see what the answer is. But you got to change something. You can't keep rolling 26 out there in coverage. Can't do that. Yeah, and that's a tough thing, right? Because if you if you mixed uh, you know, what Oliver does best and what Womack does best, you probably have like <laughs> the yep. the perfect marriage at nickel corner, the perfect yep. uh corner for that situation. But because both of those guys lack something there, you're stuck with either one of them and missing out on something regardless, right? So um, at this point, like it has felt like they're just kind of waiting, hoping for Isaiah Oliver to figure it out and get back to, you know, honestly, uh, John, like I, I didn't watch Isaiah Oliver much, you know, when he was with the Falcons. So I don't, I can't even say like, I know what he's going to get back to Doing, they like, moved him everywhere. They got him as an outside yeah. corner. Then they put him at nickel. Then they put him at safety. Then back to slot. And it's like, okay, he's got some skills that are so valuable. The length, the tackling, the aggressiveness for that body type is incredible. But, yeah, it, you can only disguise somebody so much in coverage. And once yeah. that's up, we're playing the Jags, who have, like, three amazing slot-wide receivers. Yeah, You're going to see some bad things if 26 is still out there in coverage. This is going to happen. The Dark Willow asks, is it possible to take Oliver out on obvious passing downs? Now, we we see a lot of this in defensive line play, right? Like some guys aren't like three three down linemen and you, you take them out or you put them in on those third downs. But you don't see that really with corners. Is there a reason that you don't really see that or wouldn't want to do that? Because otherwise, I mean, like it doesn't sound like a bad idea, but maybe I'm I'm not thinking about everything here. They flirted with that idea and talked about it in training camp, a big nickel and a small nickel. Um, it's hard to – the problem is once you're on the field, it's pretty damn hard to rotate in and out. If the offense wants to keep you out there, they just don't sub. And so it's you can do it. It's just one of those things that is wonderful in theory. But whenever you get out there and the offense is just running plays and they're not subbing anybody, you can't get them out. I, I, I don't know what the long-term answer is there. I really don't. I want Demo there. Somebody's got to step up outside. Sure as hell ain't going to be Ambry Thomas. I, I think it's, it's Womack should be the guy, in my opinion. Now, Demo starts, and then on nickel, you bring in Samuel Womack, Agent Zero, kick Demo inside, Best of both worlds. I think we'll get back to that once Womack comes out, especially if Oliver does this one more week, um, because then it's just it's, it's getting bad. It can't be any worse, right? Like if they dabbled with that, having Womack on the outside, Lenore um, at the slot, like it, it really can't be any worse. So, yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if they tried that, if Wilkes tried that, because at this point, I think Wilkes knows, OK, the pressure is on. I, I got to figure something right. out here. But, of course, that does hinge on the availability of both of the guys we mentioned, Luter or Womack. I think we're we're in agreement that Womack probably the more likely of the two to get on the field first just because, you know, he has a little more experience in that regard. Um, all right. Now, 
let's pivot back to the offense here. I know we're not letting the offense off of the hook and rightfully so. Uh, and so at the same time though, I do want to talk about Brock Purdy because you talked about the turnovers. A lot of those turnovers are happening from Brock Purdy, right? And, and they're coming in inopportune times of the game when you're trying to get back into it. Uh, you know, I mentioned on the bully ball podcast yesterday, uh, JC, and I'm gonna shout him out again. Shout out JC. Um, he tweeted out a couple weeks ago. He's like, you know, when I watched I- Iowa State games, when Brock Purdy felt like he had to be the hero, that's when bad Brock uh, showed up. And so we're kind of seeing that now. I don't want to say it's the end all be all of Brock Purdy, and that's what he's always going to be. He's still a very young quarterback, right? But as of right now, that's kind of what we're seeing. And John, you mentioned this isn't complimentary football. That's definitely not helping Brock Purdy either. And so he's kind of shouldering everything for the offense, especially late in the game when you're trying to get back into it. And so what are your thoughts on the turnovers, like your reaction? Are you overreacting? Do you feel like you're underreacting a little bit? Like where are you uh, on that? I would say – and I'm going to use the words of George Kittle here. You know, I said I had two favorite quotes. One was Fred Warner. The second one was George Kittle when he said, we are not a good one-dimensional football team. And whenever you just go straight pass heavy, that's not Brock's strength. That's not Kyle's strength. And so there are quarterbacks in this league that whenever they go straight pass heavy, they're going to have success. And guess what? That's Kirk Cousins. Guess what? That's Joe Burrow. They're made for that. That is their strength. Brock Purdy ain't that yet. Maybe he can be, but he's not there. Brock Purdy's throwing the ball 40 times a game. You're in major trouble. And so whenever it's just drop back, drop back, drop back, drop back, and and you're doing empty sets, you are just allowing this defense to to disguise and carry everything. Because you took away – not only are you not running the ball, you took away even the threat of running the ball. And every time we go empty situation in those, I'm just like, good Lord. If it's a quick hitch, I understand. But we're doing these deep developing route concepts yeah. with no extra pass protection help and no run like disguise whatsoever. That's not who we are. And so you're asking Brock to play out of his skill set. You're asking Kyle's doing this to himself. That's not his strength as a play caller. You've got to be able to disguise things. And so, you know, th- this is where I get like, all right, this is the issue to me. Because if you could just keep running the ball and people are like, oh, but you're only averaging three yards a carry. No, you're not. You're not averaging three yards a carry. And if you look at even in the fourth quarter, a lot of those were quarterback sneaks that you kept running over and over again. Christian McCaffrey had two seven-plus yard runs in the fourth quarter, and then you didn't run it to him again. And so you've got to stay honest with the run game. They're one-score possessions, and we just go pass heavy. And that's going to allow bad Brock to show up. Um, maybe eventually he could be the guy that could just say, hey, cool, we're going to throw the ball you know, 14 times in the fourth quarter every single time, and that's just who we are. We're just not there yet. Patrick Mahomes is there. Burrow's there. Kirk Cousins was there before the injury. Brock's not there yet. He, he's not that guy yet. He's not that guy, pal. Um, <laughs> joking. Uh, he, he very well could be that guy. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's what we're seeing. Also, I think – as, as someone here, Ed pointed out, they have film on Purdy now. The veteran DBs bait him. I've watched it a couple of times. I did kind of like, so one of the interceptions that happened on Sunday, there were two routes that seemed like oddly close to each other. 
which kind of kept the uh, yeah, dagger. Who, yeah. Yeah. Who eventually got that interception. It allowed him to pretty much defend both at, at the same time. And so that's why he was in position there to get that interception. Uh, but I, I do also feel, and I, I think we've been talking about it for some time too. Like Brock Purdy has thrown a lot of turnover worthy plays. This goes back to even last year. Um, he's throwing more this year, I think, than he was last year, if I'm not mistaken. And negative regression, I think, in that regard was going to come because like a lot of that was luck. It had to, right? So I think with all these interceptions happening, of course, you know, defenses kind of know what to expect out of Brock, what he's looking at. And at the same time, I also think that, you know, Brock Purdy now has to know, okay, maybe I'm not going to get away with that anymore. Uh, so I, that, that comes with the learning process, right? That comes with all like young quarterbacks. We heard about all the interceptions that he was throwing in training camp and for that same reason, right? Like you're trying things. You're also going up against a really good defense, 49ers defense. And who knows, maybe, maybe the coverage issues were, were, were showing up even then, but, um, Isaiah Oliver's were, that's for sure. in training camp. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, so maybe now that he's figured that out, because he started the season, like, you know, pretty good, several weeks without throwing an interception, right? So he was able to dial it back from training camp to then the regular season. So now that those interceptions are starting to go the wrong way in the regular season, maybe he could dial it back again and and say, I'm not going to get away with that. Let me try this. Instead. Yeah. And, you know, it, when we look at the whole season in perspective, we're, we're, these three weeks are losses for a reason. And you turn the ball over. And that's the main reason for losses, not the defense. It's the turnovers. But Brock Purdy has 12 touchdown passes this year and five interceptions. That's better than any quarterback touchdown interception ratio all the way back to like Colin Kaepernick days. Like it's better than Jimmy's ever done 12 and five. Like he's never been at that type of number. Maybe he has once, but it's not like Brock. Okay. So we have three games in a row. Fourth quarter turns the ball over, whatever else comes back out against the Vikings after the loss. First three quarters was dealing. I mean, that dude was balling out and then it fell off. Oh, shout out to my man. Will. I see you there. Will. Um, and so then the interceptions happen whenever you went pass heavy only, whatever else comes back out against the Bengals. Man, during the first three quarters, that game was not on Brock. Brock was yeah. playing some oh, no. damn good ball. Yeah. He was putting the ball in spots, all those different things. Get to the fourth quarter. What do you do? Pass heavy Kyle shows up, interceptions. And you talked about that dagger concept. And Kyle even said, we ran that three times. You run one clear out route where the guy doesn't even turn around and look at the ball, and then you just run one underneath. So it's a natural rub route that takes place at about 14 yards downfield, and you ran it once, it worked. You ran it twice, almost worked. Ran it three times, they got it. And so they went back and did that, and so it – I don't know. Um, the decision-making process for me – that they he has had one knucklehead play three weeks in a row where it's just like what in the world are you thinking? The where one, he scrolls the one on out. Sunday, yeah, the one on Sunday was like he he looked yeah. like he was just gonna roll out, maybe go out of bounds, and last second he decides to you know maybe try to get that over. I think it was Kittle that he was trying to target there, and he he didn't even see the defender. He was right yeah. in front of him, or didn't you know he thought he was gonna get it over the defender, but. I mean, and so those those plays, every quarterback does them. And 
You know, I Brock still. I understand the turnovers are huge. You just can't do that in the fourth quarter situations. And, and as I said, Brock isn't him yet. Yeah, he's our quarterback, and I hope he's our quarterback for 10 years. I think he's great, but he hasn't developed the, oh, I'm just going to throw these guys into a win. We haven't seen that yet, and I don't think we have to see that if the freaking head coach just keeps a balanced playbook or at least the threat of a balanced playbook. Brock's going to be just fine. I'm very happy that he's our quarterback, and there's no hot seat or Sam Darnold time. I don't believe in any of that. It's just keep it balanced. That's his strength. Yeah, and and this is a great comment here. Brock does need to clear up some of his errors, but people hold him to veteran standards. Don't give him the credit of playing like one when he does. I think this like Nailed this it. hits the nail on the head, and it's tough because yeah, like he when he's good, like he plays so well that we kind of forget that he's so young. Because I don't know, there there's so much. I guess I don't want to say volatility because it's really not like that volatile. It's not like mm-hmm. a roller coaster with him. Um, but he has these really high highs and and we see it right so and i know that's why a lot of people are like it's crazy to compare him to jimmy garoppolo um i did it as a joke uh you know i certainly don't think he's anywhere close to what jimmy garoppolo was um Agreed. he's certainly better than that but yeah i think people just simply forget how young he is and how much he still has to learn and let's not forget there was there was some reason he he was you know, mystery relevant, right? He was a seventh round pick. Uh, so I think we just forget that. And sometimes we need to put that into perspective a little bit. I, 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 real quick, I just want to like, I, I think I was the one that said, you know, Jimmy G's never had these touchdown to interception ratio uh, because Brock's so far ahead. So I, I apologize if I did that and, you know, not trying to throw shots at Jimmy or whatever else. That's not the goal there. Just saying like, it's not like we're getting bad quarterback play. We're getting good yeah. quarterback play. It's just fourth quarter pressure time where the quarterbacks matter most, like fourth quarter comebacks. This is what we like monitor. He's got none. Yeah, He's got none. And so we haven't seen him do that. That's something that's got to be developed, and we'll get there. He, he seems to be good in that, any other situation. Any other. <laughs> besides, besides that. And and as Dark Willow says, his mistakes do seem to be correctable. And, and that's a good sign, right? And like I said, I think it's really just about, you know, Brock saying to himself, you know what? I can't risk that. That's not mm-hmm. the type of risk that my team needs right now at this point in the game. You live to see another down. It's, that that was the one that was frustrating about the the – first interception he threw because it was like you know you had another down after that you didn't need to force it so those are the small things that that you learn over time and right a lot of the times you learn those lessons the hard way right so we're seeing it unfold and we're seeing Brock Purdy learn in real time but the good news is and I know the you know the tweet that I'm showing here is very small text so I'm gonna Read it off for you guys. It says, interesting to note that the 49ers still have one of the best pass offenses ever tracked by DB- DVOA, even after three losses. Pass offense DVOA was 81.9% in the first five games, still 40.2% in the last three games. And on the right, you see the graphic here, uh, the best pass offenses um, tracked with DVOA through the first eight weeks of the season, going back to 1981, and the 49ers are up there at, at 65%. The overall. only 49ers I, appearance on this the, this chart. That is that is also notable too, right? Because like we compare this offense to like, you know, other 
great offenses in the past. Certainly from 1981, there were a lot of good uh, teams, right, for the 49ers, a lot of good offenses. Yet this 2023 offense has really good pass offense DVOA. So, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world for the offense. They do have some things to clean up. Uh, which, you know, we, we've talked about here and there these last few days on the show as well. So that's what the bye week is for. I think having Trent Williams and Debo back is going to be huge for them. I almost feel like Kyle was sort of just bracing himself for these games, yeah. hoping like he didn't have, he wouldn't have to adjust uh, to those guys being out because they're such unique players. They're one of one. I mean, honestly, so I think he was just bracing himself, hoping they can come away with those wins. They didn't come away with win. Okay, you got those guys back probably after the bye week. So the offense should look much better after the bye, I would expect, which should help the defense too because we talk – I mean, go, yeah, going back to that, complimentary football, it, it goes a granular level, but it also goes at that higher level too. And there were times in that game against the Bengals where – the defense did tighten up. They did give the offense those opportunities. It was the turnovers at the end that that really hurt them. So with Debo, Trent back, things like that should help. It should help, you know, the team overall uh, get over their woes. Um, but, yeah, a lot of work to do uh, in this bye week, John. And, like, if, if you had to choose just one top priority for the 49ers to address in this bye, what would it be? Uh, tackling and blitz or, or coverage disguising. Um, mm. Stop telegraphing, showing early on what you're doing, and just sticking in that. That's what I do not enjoy. So uh, disguise the coverages just a little. I, I mean, literally just a little bit <laughs> something. So that's just not like I'm watching at the games, and I'm just like, oh, cover four. We're to cover six. Roll the straight side. And it's just like you can tell as soon as they break the huddle. It's just like, oh, that's what we're doing. And the other teams know that too. Yeah, um, I'm going to like cheat a little bit and and use like an umbrella, like, uh, <laughs> you know, option here. I'm going to say go back to basics. And so, of course, that covers a lot of different things. Tackling would be one of them. I mean, clearly some technique has been uh, has gone awry here in these last few weeks. But that's correctable, too. And so they need to just get back to the basics, and that should help the defense a ton as well. I mean, let these these guys on the defensive line just pin their ears back and, and get to the quarterback, too, right? Yeah. Like, that, you need that. You need that so bad, and that's going to help your secondary as well. We hope that the secondary will look better in the second half of the season. But, of course, without the pass rush, it's going to be hard to do that, right? So hopefully they could get that going. And I think on offense too, they they can uh, go back to basics as far as like the run blocking uh, goes. Trent Williams, as I mentioned, that'll go a long way to helping them out. Aaron Banks is going to be out for a few weeks, even after the bye. So hopefully, you know, him being gone and, and John Feliciano can step in and and you know, you know, it's next man up. So hopefully, yep. he could he could step in and step up and we won't notice that Aaron Banks isn't there. Cause I mean, Aaron Banks was struggling at times too, with these last few weeks. I think part of that has to do with Trent being out, right? We talk all the time about, you know, Trent can elevate the play of any guy that's standing next to him. So I think for that reason, I'm not too worried about Feliciano. So I, I think the run game will look a lot better coming out of the bye week too. Yeah, I'm with you. That's why I record with you and Wayne. You guys make me way better. And so y'all the Trent Williams to my Aaron Banks. 
And whenever you guys aren't around, <laughs> things are going to struggle a little bit. But I believe I have all the confidence in the world in Valenciano. He's got so much experience. He's a lot more aggressive. He's a little bit more of a um, Burford style blocker than he is a bank style blocker. Um, and I don't know if I you know, feel good about that, but okay. <laughs> well, it's just the aggressiveness. He's much okay. more of an attacker, whereas Banks is much more of a stalemate, stay in the way type of guy. They're just different philosophies. Both work, uh, but he is more aggressive. So whenever you bring gotcha. Trent back, who's the most aggressive ever, um, I expect a little bit more movement up front. Yeah, I, I think so too. And we're getting some, uh, you know, things that fans here in the comments would make a top priority too. I like that communication uh, from Keith. I think that's definitely one on the defense. You know, a lot of people talking about, you know, Steve Wilkes being on the sideline, not to be the cheerleader, but to communicate better with those guys on the defense in game, you know, after play, what are you seeing? Sure. I, you know, I, that's a that's a good point. So I mean, we'll, we will see if they make that change again. There's no silver bullet, I don't think, for this defense. So we'll we'll see what changes. Uh, if there was, it was people. Chase Young. We're going to find out. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, John, I, I think you know we got a good show here. I appreciate all of you guys who tuned in on a Wednesday morning. Appreciate it. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Not just my video, not just my channel, but John's as well. John's as well. So um, make sure that you guys check out his channel. Um, what's the name of your channel, John? Just Yeah, it's 49ers Rush. Uh, that's 49ers it. 49ers Rush. Rush. Check us out wherever yeah. you listen. And yeah. Appreciate all the love, guys. Um, but for now, have a good rest of your Wednesday, folks. Peace.